HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I'm Sam Edwards. I'm third generation cure master from S. Wallace Edwards and Sons in Surrey, Virginia. We support the Heritage Radio Network because we believe in the cause and what they're doing. They're supporting family-raised livestock, small family farms, uh, certified humane, pasture-raised, antibiotic-free. Basically, we take the products from Heritage Foods USA and make them into uh, Serrano-style hams, prosciutto-style hams, bacon, sausage, like my grandfather did. You can find us at surreyfarms.com or virginiatraditions.com. Live from uh, Bushwick, Brooklyn. We are in the back of Roberta's Heritage Radio Network's Farm Report on this beautiful Thursday. Um, we're happy to have you all here listening and tuning in. We have uh, an awesome show planned for today. Killer lineup. We'll be talking crop to cup. Um, this is something new for us on the show. We'll be having uh, the producer themselves and the uh, the consumer here in studio talking with us. And um, Erin, I will let you uh, go ahead and introduce who those two special guests are. Thanks, Heather. And I concur. We are stoked to have in the studio Sam Penix, uh, co-owner of Everyman Espresso, one of the premier coffee shops in New York City, located on (laughs) 13th, between 3rd and 4th Avenue. And um, Sam has been a barista for many years, super seasoned. Uh, She took third in the Northeast Regional Barista Competition in 2009 and is definitely here to talk to us uh, about coffee shops in the city. Welcome, Sam. Hi. We also have um, on the phone with us from Salem, New York, Seth McCachran. Seth is a fifth-generation farmer, and he runs the Battenkill Valley Creamery. Um, Seth's great, 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 great. That's a lot of greats. Uh, <laughs> grandfather started milking cows in 1902. And um, today, Seth is bottling that milk. Super um, long line of farmers there. And we're excited to have Seth on the line. Seth, are you with us? 
Yes, I am. Thank you uh, for having us. Thanks for being with us. Thanks. So today on the show, we want to cover kind of two topics. We want to start talking about milk quality, kind of what are the factors that um, impact the quality of milk. And we also want to talk about distribution. Um, But we're going to start, you know, closer. We're going to start at the beginning. Um, We know that um, milk quality is is kind of based on two factors. One, the life of the animal and how it's raised. And then two, um, once it gets uh, onto the truck, once it leaves the udder, what kind of happens to it? So basically, for all you who want to know more about the farming practices, I suggest you go visit their site, um, badandkillcreamery.com, to learn more about the history of their farm and their practices. But today we've got a lot to cover, so we kind of want to go right into what happens post-cow, what happens after the, the milk leaves the udder. <laughs> So, Seth, we're going to turn it over to you because obviously you are the expert on this. Um, and, and if you can just kind of walk it, walk us through, like when you pick the milk up from the farm, what happens to it? And kind of what were the decisions that you made putting the creamery together that impact the way the final product tastes and feels and looks? Yeah, for sure. Um, like you said, high-quality milk basically starts from our uh, quality care for our animals, and, that, and that's what we really take pride in. Is caring for our animals and good practices at the farm to produce high-quality raw milk. Uh, from there, our goal is just to continue that high-quality milk and pasteurize it, bottle it, and package it in a very clean, sanitized environment uh, that will keep that high quality uh, for the consumer uh, once it's bottled. Um, at the plant, uh, we pasteurize, homogenize all our milk, uh, except we do offer cream top milk, and our cream is non-homogenized as well. Um, but in order for that to happen, uh, we have to separate the milk in order to get our skim milk and our reduced fat milks. That also allows us uh, that to get the heavy cream that we will use to make our uh, truly homemade ice cream mix, as well as our half and half and our cream products. Now, um, did you have to make all these decisions when you opened this creamy, which I believe was in what, 2008, to um, help dictate what you would buy to produce, you know, what you just mentioned in the way that you you, you are producing it? Yeah, yep. Uh, We basically researched the idea of bottling our own milk on our farm. Uh, Back in 2003 was the first time we looked into it. Uh, we traveled around the Northeast uh, looking at other farms that were bottling milk um, as well as uh, just regular processing plants uh, to see how they did it, what worked best for them, how we could improve on things that we saw, as well as determine uh, what method of pasteurization uh, we wanted to use for our uh, milk. Um, we use a short-time uh, pasteurizer, which we feel gives the milk its uh, purest, flavor in terms of the most like raw milk. It doesn't have a cooked flavor like some of the other types of pasteurization do. Well, one thing I wonder then when you were, you know, going through this process, which, you know, took five years of of decision making before, you know, started bottling is if you had an idea for a market in mind, um, you know, we have uh, Sam here from Everyman Espresso who is, you know, using your end result. Um, Was she the type of uh, client you had in mind before, you know, you, you did your final plan and started bottling in 2008? Oddly enough, um, before we started bottling, I had no idea what a great market uh, coffee shops were. Um, we have targeted coffee shops more so after we started bottling uh, 
rather than when we first got into it. So I, I was kind of unaware of the amount of milk that coffee shops actually use. I would, would have thought it was a much uh, lower volume, uh, but they've proven to be great high-volume uh, customers. So we, we love every uh, coffee shop that has chosen to use our product, and we greatly appreciate it. Cool. So we're going to talk more about like the marketing and the distribution part of all this um, after our break in a little bit. But for now, we kind of want to throw it to Sam here and talk about how the quality of the milk that you're producing affects her final product as a barista in um, you know one of the nicest coffee shops in New York City. So Sam, when the when you open the container of milk from the Baton Kill Valley Creamery, <laughs> um, what what's coming out? What's jumping out at you? What why are, did you decide to transition from the milk you were using before to this milk? Well, um, let's see. So the, we started off using uh, just regular milk um, from Swede Farms, uh, commercial, high pasteurized. Um, okay, you know, it was all right. But Battenkill, uh, when you steam it, when you bring air into it, it, um, it takes it really well and very evenly. It, uh, it's very sweet and um, it creates a very buttery creamy texture some customers even comment to me and they're like is this half and half or is this and I'm like no 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 it's all milk but um uh there's a huge there, there's a huge difference in texture and taste um it has a flavor of its own um and it's just very sweet when you get it to the right temperature and you're not steaming it too hot it's just gorgeous so seth on your end you mentioned that you do a, a low batch pasteurization is that the right term um, no, we, we do a, uh, it's a continuous oh, short, time, short time, it's considered. Um, and what that is, is we heat our milk uh, to about 168 degrees, and it's held at that temperature for only 25 seconds. Huh. Uh, the benefit of this is that it's a little bit hotter than a batch pasteurizer, but uh, the drawbacks of batch is that it's held at a heated temperature for about 30 minutes. Um, so we're only about 10 degrees hotter, uh, but the, a fraction of the time at a heated uh, temperature. So it really doesn't have any time to even get a cooked flavor or change the um, properties of the milk in terms of how it cooks, how it steams, and um, uh, different things like that. So I think that's a big factor for people working in coffee shops or people who are cooking with the milk is a lot of times if you're getting something that's pasteurized at a higher temperature or for a longer period of time, it, it already has been cooked. And Sam, you're essentially cooking the milk when you make a cappuccino, right? Yeah, we're bringing it up to a temperature of about, um, for cappuccinos, which is a, a little bit smaller drink at our place, it's going to be about 135 at the most. Um for a latte, which is a larger drink, maybe knock it up to like 140 Fahrenheit. Um, but we're very careful on our temperatures because there is a point where um, all those sugars that are in your milk start to go past caramelization and into a state of like burnt grossness <laughs> so we we're far far from you that you avoid that yeah, yeah grossness, which is about anxiety. yeah that's like about 170 around there we try to like you know keep it on the low side so how did you go from the people that you were um you know working with in the past to bad and um bad and kill valley creamery how did you find out about them how did i find out about them well um 
we do, uh, I've organized a lot of um, New York City uh, throwdowns or latte art competitions. Um, and actually the first time that I heard of Bat and Kill was at the, we serve counterculture coffee and they have a training center uh, in Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And there was a throwdown where um, Seth had donated some milk um, and the basis folks were there. Um, basis Foods. One of his distributors. And they uh, talked a little bit about the milk, where it comes from, and then we all got a chance to try it. Mm-hmm. And it made that big of a difference that you were just like, damn, I got to try this. Absolutely. I mean, I was already trying to uh, source a better product uh to pair with my coffee Mm -hmm. and um it was basically the right time and the right place i mean because i know um this is heather here when i found out you know we were going to be um interviewing seth today i was really excited because i've been seeing bat and kill valley creameries the little logo all over the place like brooklyn new york city everywhere i even actually had my name on wait list at this one coffee place i would go to off graham avenue to get their chocolate milk because they Mm -hmm. weren't even able to get enough in and hold it in their um coffee house you know to keep the stock and i feel like that's probably a little bit of an issue um, for coffee shops like you can't really store that much milk at a time is that a problem for you guys um as we become higher volume and uh it it does become a problem um especially when we go from being high volume in our um like fall and uh spring months where we're we're doing a lot of business and we're needing a lot of milk we're going through it a lot to switching off to our downtime during the summer uh, it can be a, it can be a little bit of a, a, an issue, um, and I have to be really like vigilant on counting and uh, doing a par system and making sure that I know how much milk to order, mm-hmm. because uh, it it isn't something that I can just call up and say uh, I'm really running low. Tomorrow, can I get an additional case of whole milk or two? Um, yeah. It's just not going to happen because. There, it's it's uh it's bottled on the farm on a certain time. So Seth, where where exactly is the farm? How far are you from New York City? Uh, we're just about three three and a half hours uh, north of the city. It's about a uh, about a hundred and probably sixty miles direct. You know, as the crow flies, um, <laughs> <laughs> as they'd say. Uh, so we're we're just far enough that it's challenging for us to be able to deliver ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do work with Basis uh, as our distributor uh, okay. because it, because it is that distance where if we had to drive a truck down, it'd be three and a half hours down, three and a half hours back, and that's almost a, a full day um, all in itself, let alone having to go around delivering to uh, 40 or so uh, coffee shops oh, in a day. Do you know how many parking tickets you'd get? <laughs> you exactly. wouldn't make any money that day. <laughs> that's very true, very true. So before we go to a break, I just want to let our audience know, too, that, Seth, you are actually at the end of your day. You guys do bottling on Thursdays. Can you tell us kind yeah. of a little bit what your schedule has been like um, before you started the show with us at 1? Yes. Today has been a hectic day. Uh, I got up this morning at 1150 uh, p.m. Uh, in order, to, in order <laughs> okay. to start our bottling day. Um, today we bottled... Uh, like I said, I got to the creamery just after midnight, and um, we're actually still working, and I uh, had to take a short break to uh, to come join you, but I'm very happy to do well, so. We really appreciate it. We like to spread the good word. So. Yep. Thank well, you. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about milk and the distribution in New York. Heritage Radio Network's Farm Report, live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can check our archives anytime at heritageradionetwork.com to re-listen to the show. And you can podcast us by searching Farm Report on iTunes or Heritage Radio Network. We will come up there. Um, Aaron. All right. So we are in the studio with Sam Penix of Everyman Espresso and Seth McCachran of the Battenkill Valley Creamery. Seth, um... I want to talk a little bit about distribution and kind of how, once you opened the creamery, you went about distributing your milk. Just to set the scene a little bit, your creamery is located across the street from the farm. Yes. And you guys are milking cows, and every day you're picking up milk to, to bottle, or how does that work? Uh, currently, we bottle uh, two days a week on Mondays and Thursdays. And here shortly, we will probably be adding a third day within the next month or two. Uh, as volume grows. So uh, on the mornings we uh, pick up the milk. The reason why I start so early, like I said, is so that we actually pick up the milk from the cows that were milked that night and the day before. Um, And the milk can actually go from our cows to our bottles in less than eight hours and be on a store shelf in less than 12. Um, That is some fresh milk. Yeah. Yes, and even the milk that will be delivered in in the city tomorrow uh, is the milk that's bottled today. So for milk to go from our cows to our bottles to a distributor to, um, you know, a uh, coffee shop or restaurant in the city, it's within, you know, 30, 40 hours, uh, which is remarkably fresh. So... Just to be clear, on the days that you're not bottling, the cows are still producing milk, right? Yep. And where does that milk go? Yep. We uh, still are members of a cooperative, uh, as it was before we bottled our milk. Uh, All our milk was sold as more of a commodity uh, where, you know, our price was set by the Federal Market Administrator, uh, and it can go into numerous different products. It could go into fluid milk at another plant. It could go into cheese, yogurt, butter. Uh, you name it, and uh, we get paid a set price based on that. So our goal was to use as much of our milk as possible and continue to grow that, uh, putting it into a fluid milk and having control over our price rather than uh, being a price taker. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to follow up with. I wanted to know, I mean, it's, is, it, is it more financially um, you know, successful for you to be directly marketing to these coffee shops and places like you know, here in Manhattan as opposed to the commodity market? Yeah, very much so, and it really depends on the time of year, or really not the time of year, but the price that we receive uh, uh, for commodity milk. You know, it can range 
from a high of $24 a hundred weight, which was back in 2008, mm -hmm. uh, which was a very profitable year for the farm, uh, to a low of $11.50 a hundredweight wow. uh, in 2009, which was a horrible year. So the uh, depending on that really determines uh, how, um, you know, how much more profitable uh, the creamery uh, is than the farm, you know, depending on outside prices. Because for the most part, this is the same milk. Right, same exactly. Same raw product. Yep, and it's just a value added. You know, we add the value of, of bottling on our farm. Mm -hmm. We add the value of giving people uh, the ability to know exactly where their milk comes from and also by uh, producing the highest quality milk. So what's the deal with this home delivery I see on your website? Yes. Tell me yep. about that. How is that uh, working? We just started uh, home delivery in May of this year, um, and it's going pretty well. We do it locally uh, in the Saratoga area, uh, which is a um, pretty good size, uh, well, small city, big town mm -hmm. area um, that we've kind of targeted as a you know highly populated area that we could be more efficient with home deliveries in Salem we'd have to drive 10 you know miles in between houses some places uh, for home deliveries so uh, it's going well uh, it's a lot of work a lot of labor involved but uh, we're pretty happy and our customers uh, really appreciate the service are you also involved in farmers markets at all yep we uh, we're basically uh, any market that we can kind of uh, uh, sell or, or market our milk we uh, we are doing right now probably mm -hmm. we have our own store at the farm we do farmers markets uh, we sell to supermarkets small mom-and-pop stores uh, coffee shops restaurants and um, do home delivery as well so, so uh, it keeps us busy so for a fresh product like milk I mean what's the expiration date on your milk how long is it uh, good 14 for 14 days 14 days yep so the distribution becomes a really big uh, component of your business. I mean, in, in addition to being good at farming and then running the creamery, do you guys run your whole fleet of distribution, or how is that working? Have you partnered with someone? We, it, upstate, uh, besides the city, uh, we deliver all our own products. So, you know, in the city, as you mentioned, we have partnered with Basis Farm to Chef, uh, and they handle all of our delivering to um, New York City customers. Uh, but upstate, we do all our own uh, deliveries um, and manage the store's inventories and, and stuff like that to, to keep a fresh product on the shelf. So, Sam, when you are going to order milk, what does it look like from your end? When I'm going to order milk? Well, I try to set a um, standing order so that uh, I can have something to go off of, know exactly what is getting delivered, and, and then make slight changes as I see a need or like, or I see over abundance of milk, I can cut back then. Um, but, uh, I only have, I only have one giant milk fridge and a small one behind the bar. So I have to be really efficient with that and make sure that, um, my deliveries that are coming twice a week are like perfect and spot on. It also makes it easier for uh, the guys on the other end fulfilling your orders and they know exactly what you need and they don't have to change it every week. Yeah, oh, that yeah. order is yeah, absolutely. key. Yeah. Um, so you can, you have access to Sess Milk two days a week? Yeah. Okay. I get deliveries on Mondays and Fridays. And Seth, you guys are sell, you guys are sending a truck down to the city twice a week? Or how, how often uh, do you have trucks going from the farm? Right oh. now. So, oh, wow. Uh, we... Um, 
milk gets picked up here on Tuesday that was bottled on Monday, and then we also deliver milk on uh, Thursday and Saturday uh, that gets delivered uh, to the city on Monday. So I know that's a big issue, like Sam had mentioned, for both coffee shops and restaurants and all of the markets in New York, um, space. You know, you just don't really have enough space in a restaurant or a coffee shop to store a whole week's supply of milk. But when you guys started, you were only delivering to the city one day a week. How, how, what does that growth process look like? Uh, you know, it, we've been very happy to see uh, Farm to Chef grow the way it has. And like you said, Farm to uh, Chef, Originally, you know, uh, was a, a kind of a cooperative, which was uh, purchased and, and has really expanded since. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's greatly benefited us uh, because, again, with a product like milk, uh, a coffee shop can't order enough to last the whole week. And then, you, you know, it's kind of hard to convince a place to start using your product if it's, you know, half the first half of the week will be our product, the second half of the week will be another product. So. Right. You know, it, it kind of deter or takes back from the benefit of supporting local using a higher quality product if you're using it sporadically. So, you know, the increased delivery days to th- three different possible days has really helped us and grown our volume. And I'm sure Sam would agree that, you know, her getting a consistent product for you makes her want to work with you more as other coffee shops would because they want to be sure they're always, you know, um, producing absolutely a a product that is consistent yeah we definitely want to support uh local farmers and people who are taking the initiative to a um, produce a better product but also do it sustainably it just seems really kind and nice and great and i'm excited we we actually were interested in the milk um using the milk prior to when you started delivering uh, multiple times, but I, w- yeah, we just weren't able to do it until we could get twice a week deliveries. Awesome. Well, yeah. um, Seth, do you feel that there's going to be uh, like a change in the way that demand dictates uh, the, the, the deliveries? I mean, is there more of a demand from uh, this, this local region that we're talking about here in New York and Brooklyn? Um, yeah. I mean, we've, like I said, we're still in the growth mode, you know, uh, We've been uh, only operating for two and a half years now. So uh, for us, just getting our name out there more and more um, and letting people know about us, we continually get calls from from new places that are interested and want our product. That's wonderful. So, yeah, I mean, when I think about coffee shops, I mean, there's been this whole revival of um, sourcing your coffee, knowing there's a fair trade movement, there's uh, single origin coffee. You go into shops and they have like a whole list of different. Um, it's like a wine list. It, it has like yeah. every note, every <laughs> blend, like every flavor profile. And it, it's been interesting, like with this this rise in focus in coffee and coffee shops, I feel like there's this new trend of of the milk, the other kind of main ingredient. And it's cool that, Sethi, your milk is, is single-origin milk. I mean, it's only coming from one farm, and that's that's not normally the case if you're just buying commodity milk, correct? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we really take pride in that, that people can come to the farm, see where their product comes from, see where it's bottled, and know exactly what they're getting. Um, we've always said we'll never... Uh, you know, get to the point where we're bringing in other milk. Not to say that it's not as high-quality milk that another farm might have, but we want it to be single source. People know exactly where their product comes from, and that's a big, you know, differentiator between us and other products is that 
it is a single source uh, farm that produces uh, the milk for the creamery. Now, and I know, I mean, the fact that your day is like about to end because you started like over 14 hours ago. Um, I wonder, do you guys invite people up to the farm to kind of see how the creamery works, or do yeah. do you ever? I'm sorry. Yes, we do. Yep. Uh, it it's, it's, can be a challenge uh, giving tours and telling people how it works while we're battling. Mm -hmm. uh, however, a lot of people do like to come up. We have an observation window uh, oh. that people can just come up and see while we're battling. Uh, we do start early now. We're doing more and more product. We do go into the afternoon. Um, but uh, previously, we, we were kind of done before most people got up. But um, now it, it does take us longer, so we're still bottling uh, at about 1.30 now. Do people so. have to, like, reach out to you to ask permission to come up? Is there a, a place they can go or somewhere they can email you to find out about coming up to see how this all works? Yep. If people are interested in tours or, or coming up to visit, uh, they're welcome to just stop up if, if they just want to watch while we're bottling on a Monday or a Thursday. Okay. Or they can email us um, either at Seth at Baton Kill Creamery or... Uh, Yvonne, who handles my tours and marketing, is at marketing at com. Awesome. So I'll have all those links up on our archive for after the show. Yeah. And then what about you, um, Sam? Do we have any like exciting events that you are putting together um, <laughs> for any more of these like barista showdowns? Well, um, basically you can check out the Everyman Espresso uh, Facebook page or uh, my my blog, Everyman Espresso nyc.blogspot.com um, but uh, yeah it's just a, it's a real pleasure to work with um, Bat and Kill I think it's pretty much the best milk that I could be getting right now and um, it's just it's great it's phenomenal so here we are Heritage Radio Network's Farm Report making the connection bringing it from crop to cup gonna say goodbye for today and we hope to uh, have you tune in next week and um, we'll be here Heather Hyman and Aaron Fairbanks thanks right. a lot thanks Beth thanks, thanks. thanks Sam have a good day. you as well <laughs>